0: Good morning. Uh, My name is Duck, and I'm actually going to be sharing a little bit uh, from the book of Exodus this morning. Um, Our primary text will come from Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. All of the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord not among us? This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for loving us so very much. We thank you that you love us so much, that you come to save us, that you sustain us, that you give us hope and joy in all things. We ask that you would meet with us now as we reflect on your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Currently, our country is facing something terrible in the form of a pandemic. It seems terrible Because it is But what's happening in our country Around the world for that matter Is nothing new And we've faced yellow fever Cholera, diphtheria, polio A stock market crash And in the 1918 the world faced The Spanish flu Which actually infected over 500 million people And that's approximately A third of the entire population And that probably doesn't count Most of the world actually In that time as in our own there's an unimaginable sickness, death, economic loss, and not to mention untold fear and doubt. We face a whirlwind of information, both good and bad, and strangely enough, our current virus is even political, and I think that should shock anyone. The fact of the matter is that we look back over our history, we will see that while we may have some of the details a little bit different, our situation is not entirely new. That's why it's important to turn to the Word of God, We look through the pages and we see his character, his power to save, his history of faithfulness to his people, and his commitment to fulfill his promises. As we look into this particular, here we see a people who have been brought through the most incredible set of imaginable and unimaginable circumstances by their God. The kinds of things about which we would say, if I were to see that, I would never doubt. We have a tendency to say that so much in our hearts. And they had seen everything, but let us be careful, because we're not so much different from them. In this passage that we just read, we see a people who've been guarded by plagues, effectively plundered one of the greatest empires the world had ever seen, walked through the sign of the covenant on dry land, celebrated the taste of victory with the song of Moses, and seen heaven's bread delivered fresh from God's oven every morning. But as the ink just started to dry on chapter 16... We turn to chapter 17, and in verse 1, we read again, all of the congregation, they moved from the wilderness by stages according to the commandment of God. They didn't come up with this on their own. God led them. They camped at Rephidim, and there was no water. The people quarreled with Moses. They said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children or our livestock with thirst? And so Moses cried to the Lord. He said, "What shall I do with these people? The people move on with the Lord's leading. They do not move on on their own. And as they move that they find that they are thirsty, which you would too if you wandered in the desert. When they see that they don't have any water, they respond with fear and accusation. It's striking how quickly their hearts turn. How quickly they forget the Lord's provision. Maybe this is why we are instructed to pray for daily bread that will be in a daily routine of dependence on his provision. The people find that they have no water, and the accusations begin to fly. It happens in verse 2. Moses said, Why do you grumble with me? Why would you test the Lord? Did you bring us here to kill us? Our children? Our cows? This is a ridiculous thing to say to someone who had taken care of you at every turn. Also, why would anyone take you out in the middle of somewhere just to leave you? I feel like at this moment, Moses must have felt kind of like Jesus when he talked to the Pharisees. He says to them, For which of my good works would you stone me? (laughs) Because at this time, the Lord had showed himself to be faithful. He loves his people, he loved his people, and he always will. So Moses goes to God. God, what shall I do? They would kill me. And the Lord says to Moses, Pass on before the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand a staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand with you before on the rock of Horeb and you shall strike that rock and water shall come out of it and the people will drink. And Moses did so. In the sight of the elders of Israel, and it called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Moses says to God, What do I do? And Moses said, Hey, take that staff that I've given you. Take those elders, go to this rock, and strike it. Then water will come forth. I mean, does that sound nuts or what? The word says that Moses did so. And the place was called testing and quarreling. Now, what do we do with this? Why would Moses hit a rock? Why was God standing on it? The rock is not just a rock, as most of the things in the Bible are not just what they look like, but also signs of something else. We are to see in this moment a witness stand, like in a courtroom, where someone is standing trial for their deeds. Their accusations are read, the evidence is weighed, and the verdict is handed down. We see in this picture one of the first visions of what will come to the Christ and his work on the cross for us. Effectively, in this moment, God is standing trial. People cast all of the blame and angst, and they brought their accusations then, and they bring their accusations now. A few thousand years later, our Savior Jesus was led and raised upon another rock. He was tried and found guilty of crimes that he did not commit, and he was struck. And as he was struck, the blood and the water flowed, which was for us to be forgiveness. When Moses struck that rock, life-giving water flowed. In our current time, there are so many accusations made at God and his plan and power. And recently, even the mayor of New York City was cited saying that it was not God to be credited uh, for making their recent decline in sick numbers go down, but only due to their own efforts. I have actually a very close friend whom I love very dearly that has led a life of blatant rebellion lately. And he has boldly posted a sign reading, Where is Your God Now? on his social media page. It breaks my heart. When I was in high school, I met a young lady that broke my heart when I heard of her tough life leading up to that point. I tried to reassure her of the love of God and his plan for her. And she delighted in telling me that she couldn't wait for the day that when she died, she would stand and spit in his face and finally have a chance to tell him all the ways that he had ruined her life. We see in this moment a God who would stand up to their accusations. We also see in this moment that we have an advocate. The blame should have rested on us. It should have rested on Israel. God should have at that moment just started over. We see that someone is in our place, that through the Old Testament... Israel would represent the church, us. We are them. They would demonstrate the cycles of waxing and waning of our faith. The trials and victories of our walk with him would hold. And above all, his faithfulness and his plan of redemption. If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1-4, through we see that that rock that was struck was Christ. And by his wounds, we are healed. It reads, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. So what now? Well, Psalm 95 and the book of Hebrews urge us and they plead today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As in Meribah, as on the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my works. And in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, he says, Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you would be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Friends, let's not grow cold. Let's not grow hard in this present time. Let us show the world the hope that we have in Christ. The trial should come. We have a God who is not unsympathetic to our suffering and our trials. We have a God who walks with us and bears our sorrows. Jesus calls to us all, come to me, all who are weak and weary, and I would give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight. If you find in this time that you've been blown back and forth by all sorts of craziness in your life, whether it's the pandemic itself or the effects of it, the loss of a job, the additional home time with your children, stand on the promises of God. Weigh out for yourself what you've been listening to, the voices that you've been entertaining. It may or may not be that you've been spending too much time steeping yourself in the news cycle or social media. But if you find that you're overwhelmed and you don't know what to do, pray, certainly. But also ask for help. Talk to someone. Let yourself be known. Talk to a friend. Or there are leaders at our church that would love to help you. There is no shame in having doubt or fear or depression Just know that freedom is possible in Christ. He has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. And we have hope. I'm just, I'm going to pray for us. And I hope that you guys have a good rest of your day. Christ, I pray that you would come alongside us in this time. That we would have hope in you and you alone. That you would encourage those who have fear, that are discouraged, that really are wondering how things are going to work out and how they're going to make ends meet. Father for the loss of life, for the loss of jobs, for the loss of <laughs> so many things. Christ have mercy. May you give us boldness to draw together to confess our sins, to pray for each other that we may be healed, that we would know that we are that we would know that we are loved. Christ, we thank you. Would you bring us close together Again soon, in Jesus' name, amen.